Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. in the dog days of the Sixers offseason, folks. The the Sixers are not playing any more playoff games. In fact, the team that they lost to in the Eastern Conference semifinal matchup is just getting their brakes beat off by the Miami Heat. Dave Early, always joining me on the podcast. Dave, how you doing? I'm all right. How you doing? Uh, I I feel good somehow because of the simple fact that you know, I somehow I I think we knew that this Boston team was maybe a, a tad bit fraudulent, and now going up against playoff Jimmy and Eric Spolstra, I I think I'm vindicated a little bit. Yeah, if you were uh, if you were sleeping, I had been calling them the best team in the league ever since I guess the Sixers went into Milwaukee and got that win late later in the year. Uh so. I thought that there was definitely a good chance that Miami stole game one, but then I thought they were going to get routed in game two and lose a close one game three. So how wrong was I? Yeah. I would just like to apologize to the Miami heat and their fan base for not believing in you from minute one, the start of the season. I apologize, Jimmy Butler. I I apologize, Eric Spolstra. My, my bad. I got that one wrong and I'm going to have to wear that on the chin uh, assuming they sweep tomorrow, uh, game four is tomorrow night in Miami. Uh, heat favored by a point and a half. And um, yeah, you would you would have to convince me very hard to take the Celtics in that game. I, I think I think that's broom work for Miami. Well, if there was going to be someone to come back from 03, and it's inevitably going to happen someday. Uh, I think this Boston team actually has a decent chance. It's hard for me to completely put a fork in them. Uh, they're only, like you said, one and a half point underdogs, even after everything we've seen. True. And so you figure that's close to a coin flip outcome in the minds of the odds makers. They win I that guess. one. You would definitely give them the benefit of the doubt to win their next home game, even though they've stunk there. But I, I just don't think that Jimmy Butler is the kind of person who's going to, like, go up 0-3 and then lose in a seven-game series. Like, I don't see Jimmy Butler losing four straight. It's a great rebuttal. You know, I'm I'm talking about ways that the Celtics can be can do it, and they would win a close one here and then win a rather easy one in game five, and then maybe game six would be an all-out war where if you figure – the Celtics won, then game seven might not even be close, sort of like the Sixers. But on the other hand, like you say, is a Jimmy Butler-led team really going to be the first team ever to go out like that? It, you have too much faith and respect for a guy like that to, is, to bet on that happening. Is this where the Boston Celtics call in that favor to Adam Silver and like Scott Foster's refing uh, games, four, uh, games four through seven? 
They've already had so many favorites. How many more do they need? I'm just saying every there always seems to be a uh an unforeseen uh favor that the Celtics get. I don't know what it is. People have been saying, you know, there's a lot of talk going on about culture and and you know things that the Miami Heat are known for. Coaching matters. Like a lot of people have been saying coaching's overrated. The Miami yeah. Heat are proving that they do have something to this culture. I, I do get annoyed by how overstated it gets because I'm also thinking without drafting Wade third and trading for the first overall pick in Shaq, there's no ring then. Without being able to lure LeBron and Bosch to South Beach, which is pretty enticing, yeah, there's no rings then. And without luring Jimmy Butler, who had to turn down an offer from Kawhi Leonard to go play for a max with the Clippers because he wanted to be in Miami. He preferred Miami to some other choices he had. And if the Sixers had just offered him a five-year deal, I think he takes it. Zach Lowe had some words to that effect that I listened to today on a podcast, um, basically saying that it was reconcilable. They chose, the 76ers chose Ben Simmons and Brett Brown over Jimmy. So it was like, there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways this could have gone where we're not talking about heat culture at all because they don't have South Beach. Yeah, we talk about this and coaching matters and the 76ers are once again searching for their next head coach on the sidelines the first name seems to have gotten uh some interviews some talk uh that's nick nurse formerly of the toronto raptors paul hudrick did a uh interview with raptors hq our brothers for the toronto raptors sb nation uh very interesting piece, just seeing what the Raptors HQ had to say about Nick Nurse. Uh, first of all, like they were saying he's creative defensively, which is great. But my question to you, Dave, is like, do we really need that? Given the fact that the Sixers were top five, top 15 each of the last three seasons defensively, eighth this season? I would say it couldn't hurt. I mean, getting a guy who's known as one of the best schematic X's and O's guys defensively with an anchor like Joel I mean true that's not a bad thing is it the highest priority probably not uh if James Harden does come back and we can talk about that in the second portion I guess then you wouldn't really have to worry too much about the offense aside from some tweaks maybe get Maxi moving off the ball more maybe redistribute the scoring load something you and i have been talking about for like two years now like, <laughs> well doesn't have to score 30 a game certainly his co-stars would prefer if he did not yes um, and you'd like to see that so that way he could focus maybe a little bit more on those nick nurse defensive schemes and rotations they are a little bit more aggressive um than the stuff that doc has been doing and also more aggressive than the stuff that budenholzer has had success with uh in drop coverage with brooke lopez and that's not to say that Nurse's Raptors weren't, like, anything good offensively. Like, they were – granted, they were middle of the pack offensively for the last four seasons. They haven't been a top five offense since Kawhi. But I feel like Nurse can do some interesting creative things if he has Embiid and Maxi and potentially James Harden. So I don't know how much I'm worried about that. Like, I'm sure Nick Nurse can scheme up some things offensively or have, like, a solid bench coach to – help him game plan offensively so i don't know maybe it, it could work yeah i ranked nick second in my list when i did it a week ago 
And after reading that piece, I feel like there are just a couple more red flags that I might have been overlooking in terms of. Really? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't exactly a glowing, resounding resort endorsement, right? I mean, Kern talked about Raptors HQ, talked about ways it could work with Joel and it would be a great fit. But there were also some some things in there about, you know, the players didn't thank him when he left. They might have been worn out by not only his minute totals, but his system. He's got a little bit of an ego. He wears Nick Nurse hats. He's got to be the only coach in the league who doesn't just wear team hats. So <laughs> I don't know. Is is he the best personality to get superstars on the same page? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, even if he would be an upgrade from Doc Rivers, significantly, is he a better upgrade than one of these other names that you could get? So I'm not sure. Something did kind of leap out to me when he was talking to Raptors Ace Q, and it's this quote. Uh, it takes an awful lot to earn Nick Nurse's trust, and if a player doesn't have it, it's going to be a very short leash. And my initial reaction was, hmm, that sounds pretty familiar. That that sounds like a coach that we've had already. Yeah, no player development. I mean, maybe you would push back and say that Doc developed Tyrese Maxey, but nobody else was extremely reluctant to play Paul Reed over completely washed backup bigs that, for whatever reason, Daryl Morey felt the need to roster or didn't have the final say over that 14th roster spot. I don't know. So, you know, things might play out differently in terms of the backup minutes, but in terms of developing the young guys, giving a guy like Isaiah Joe a chance, which might have kept him around for three years on a really, really friendly deal like OKC got, giving minutes to Jaden Springer moving forward. Those are things where it might be like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not sure. Nurse does – plays guys that he trusts for too many minutes as also stated in the interview with Raptors HQ. And I'm just like, also that sounds pretty familiar. I'm not sure about that. And given Embiid's health, I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. I mean, Siakam led the NBA in minutes for the second straight year and Toronto didn't even really do much this season. We know it's a bad idea with the Sixers, especially watching Miami heat sleepwalk through the regular season. And, remind us all i mean maury has talked about statistically winning a top one seed is very very important winning a top three seed is very very important because after that it really drops off but it makes you wonder are they getting those top seeds because they were the best regular season team or they might that change in the future as teams learn more and more about ways to load manage and maybe it's not so vital to go for that I don't know. Maybe a lot of those teams who earned the one seed didn't have to load manage because they were like the 2018 Golden State Warriors, you know? It's it's also, there's also something to be said about like Nick Nurse doing what he did when Kawhi was in the lineup. When Kawhi was in the lineup, obviously the Raptors are a completely different team. So having an MVP in Embiid and a rising star in Maxi and potentially Harden plus whatever whoever they're starting, uh, be it Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker, DeAnthony Milton, whatever. I there there's a lot Nick can do, and I don't know if he necessarily has to play Embiid like 32, 35 minutes a game, especially on some of these off nights. I feel like if he has the right people around him and somebody, anybody can get in Joel's ear and just be like, "Hey man, we, we don't need you tonight," or like, "Hey man, um, yo, we only need you for like." 25 30 minutes and once we get that blowout then you know you're you're done you're just sitting 
Yeah, I mean, the flip side to how many minutes he's played guys like Siakam is that he was the coach of a team that led a really, really formulaic and rigid load management program with Kawhi in 2019. He sat out like every three and a half to four games healthy right? to be, to be ready for the stretch run. So you get the sense Nurse is okay with that if the player is. And then so your question becomes, well, was that all Kawhi-led? Does Kawhi just... We know that he's very uh, dogmatic about his own health program. So what if Joel wants to play? Would would Nick ever push back? What if Joel is out there in a game where it's a first-round series and a team that had been led by Nick Nurse is beating the crap out of him? <laughs> you, got, you got Birch hammering him. A season later, you got Jock Vaughn clearly taking a page out of the Nick Nurse book and sort of just beating up on Joel, talking about it's an MMA fight. You see Nick Claxton just getting in these kind of cheap shots from behind, knocking him to the ground, sending him to the locker room for treatment on his lower back. At the moment like that, when you've already been in the locker room, you need a coach to get through to Joe and say, I know you're mad. I know they're trying to taunt you and get you ejected, but don't take it personally. Don't go for these risky track down blocks because we need you for round two. Yeah. Is is Nurse that guy? You know, Because that's one of the biggest questions whoever takes over is going to have to deal with. I think there's also something to be said in the piece with Raptors HQ, uh, Nick Nurse taking a veteran team from good to great. And uh, again, like how much of that was Nurse and how much of that was the fact that he had Kawhi in his first year? Sure, he had Lowry, but still. Um, I think Nick Nurse has had tremendous luck. His first year he had Kawhi Leonard and even after Kawhi left, like the Raptors were pretty formidable, even after Kawhi had bolted to LA to join the Clippers. Like Toronto was never an easy win, despite the fact they didn't have that transcendent all star. And I think that kind of speaks to what Nick Nurse can do as an X's and O's guy, as you pointed out. Yeah, all very good points. Uh, it's important to note that Nurse is also a final candidate in Milwaukee, too. So, like I said a couple of times on this podcast, I think Nurse to Milwaukee is kind of a lock. And if it's not Milwaukee, he's definitely going to get some interest from Phoenix and probably Boston as well if they get, you know, broom work by the Miami Heat. So my, my question is, can the Sixers compete with those openings given the transitional nature of this offseason. Like if you're in, if you go to Milwaukee, you got Giannis. If you go to Phoenix, you have Durant and Booker and whatever they get from DeAndre Ayton in a trade, or if Ayton is in fact still on the Suns roster next year. Boston has Tatum, but is Jalen Brown going to be on the team next year? But you still have Jason Tatum. Like we don't know exactly what the Sixers roster is going to be. Yeah, I kind of get the sense that if you want Nurse, you have to act rather quickly. Because if you're Milwaukee, you're a little bit worried about Philadelphia. You're worried about potentially Boston being a more attractive job. And so if, you, if you're if you Milwaukee, maybe you just drop that offer on them quickly. And if you're the Sixers and you know that, maybe you got to do the same. But you get the sense that the Sixers are really going to take their time here because right. I don't think that they want to make a decision – exclusively to lure Harden, who might leave anyway, Mike D'Antoni. You know, I don't think they want to just hire D'Antoni and say, this is Harden's preference, even though we know that he might leave and then we have him. 
So I think Philly's going to draw this out. And that means likely someone else swoops in on Nick, right? And yeah. here's the and here's the thing about Harden, as as you mentioned, we'll touch on Harden. We'll get into the Harden piece now, I guess. Like the fact that Harden could walk, like, are we sure we want to make this like a package thing? It's like Harden and his coach of choice. Like, honestly, shouldn't it be like, yeah, uh, who does Joel want as far as the head coach? Like that that would be my question. Yeah, it reminds you of you know the days when we were hearing Joel would prefer Mike D'Antoni and Ben Simmons would prefer Ty Lu. Ben, you know, Joel, I think it was Varden of the Athletic who reported maybe Joel was threatened that between clutch of Ty Lu and Ben and you know, all that stuff. So they settled on Doc. And that's not an ideal scenario, but maybe that type of compromise, if the third coach isn't a doc, but the third favorite coach is a guy like Budenholzer, maybe it works out in your favor. Um yeah, I know a lot of fans have strong feelings about catering to James when they feel he doesn't necessarily deserve a max anyway. Maybe the Sixers feel that way too. And so much of this hinges on whether or not Houston really has the unmitigated gall to drop a max on a four yeah. year old Harden while you're rebuilding. It's just, this is all so weird because Houston is so weird. And if they had just been a normal rebuild, Philadelphia might have the inside track to bring James back at a price we could all stomach. And not only that, but I don't know if you've read, seen uh, Jalen Green's comments about Harden coming back to Houston. I did. And it's just like, does this kid really want James back? Because no, it sounds like it sounds like he's just like, yo, bringing Harden back would stunt my growth. And would I you? can't have that. <laughs> I yeah, mean... I can't have that because I'm trying to secure my bag here. This guy wants to come back and relive his glory days two steps slower when I want the ball. No, thanks. I'm no, like, I'm a rising star. Let's do this the right way. Let's do this like Oklahoma Golden State did. And that's the thing. I'm just thinking about him just like, OK, Harden wants to go back to Houston. But like how much leverage does he actually have to go back to Houston? Because even on Liberty Ballers, uh, we, they did a poll and by and large, it didn't seem like people wanted him back here. 52% said no straight up and the other 48 was divided between yes and it depends on the cost. So and that, it, was, it was close. It's ultimately close. Ha- about half want him back. I just don't I the way it seem it's reading out to me, I just don't know how much leverage Harden has to maneuver his way back to Houston. And if that's the case, then the Sixers should honestly just be like, "Listen, Joel is our MVP. He won it last year. We want this team to be Joel's team. And with that in mind, sorry, James, we want Joel to have a wee bit more input on who he wants as coach. Whether or not, whether or not, whether or not Joel has earned that in this league, like that's another argument to be had, but he's, he's earned it, but it's not going to lure James Harden. If Harden is remotely on the fence, and Houston is willing. Let's say Houston offers a two hundred million dollar max, and that's on the table. Now it doesn't matter if Harden has leverage or not, because you basically have to match that to even have a prayer to keep him, right? Right. And in that instance, uh, James might say, "Look, it's got to be my coach because I hear what you're saying about Joel, and it's his team." But that's what didn't work for us last year. I mean, he was a thirty three points per game guy. Daryl said it in his presser himself. There were games where Joe can blowtorch a team who single covers him, but that's not what's going to happen in the playoffs. 
we want to play more like the playoffs during the regular season. He said that now twice. He said that bookending this season. He said it to Spike and Mike before it started. He said it after Doc Rivers was fired. So clearly he was not quite satisfied with the way they handled the regular season. And I mean, you and I kind of felt the same way. Like, wouldn't it be ideal to have a little bit less of the offense revolve around a guy scoring 33 points per game? Everyone will be a little happier. Probably, you're you're probably right, especially given how Joel gets his points. Like, it's a lot of like in the post, and I mean, a, a lot of it sometimes was just like Joel gets the ball in the post, and everybody just kind of stands and watches. Which yes, it's never my favorite brand of basketball. I, I just love the Golden State Warriors brand of like constant movement everywhere. And and again, that just goes to like whoever the coach is. And if it's not Nick Nurse, then what's the best alternative, I guess, is the question. Yeah, we've seen the best version of Joe in games like at Milwaukee, where they're really doing a good job doubling him and he's making all the right reads and the guys are knocking down the shots. That's when things look their best. And that's what's going to keep a guy like James to say, you know what, I, I could sign up for four years of this because I am going to be very much involved. Now, he might be a little delusional. You said, you said after game one against, you know, it's been a minute since I was in his zone like that. I can get back into his zone like that. So I don't know exactly how much he's in touch with his decline because he's never been the same since that hammy in 2021. Um, I'm not sure how safe it is to project him being healthy over the next two years. Yeah, I so don't think he, it's a safe bet at all. Yeah, he could certainly use a hefty load management program at the very least, not play on games where he's visibly injured another 30 minutes like we saw more than one occasion this season. Lots to talk about the the future of the Sixers. We're probably going to be doing it almost every week until the uh, <laughs> training camps and then uh, also, you know, just the regular season. But the 2024 free agent class, we're going to touch on that after the break. Uh CBS Sports, they did a piece, it was written by Sam Quinn, just outlining some of the Sixers' choices going into this offseason. So Dave and I will comment on that piece. It is the Out of Sight podcast on the Liberty Ballers podcast network. Back after these words. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Outside Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Dave, Sam Quinn of CBS Sports penned a column outlining some of the four paths that the Sixers have this offseason. And I sent you the link. 
and I asked you to maybe advocate for one over the other. But before I do that, I'm going to describe all the paths. Path one, as Sam wrote, is to try to trade for another star. I don't know who that star would be. Uh, DeMar DeRozan was mentioned. Zach Levine was mentioned. Damian Lillard was mentioned only if he like insists on playing for the 76ers specifically. Um, Bradley Beal was mentioned in here as well. Path two, clear cap space for a 2023 free agency. And I'm like, why? There's not much you're going to be able to get with just like, I think, $10 million in the MLE. I, I don't think there's much going on there. So I feel like we can skip that one, right? Sure. Uh, path three is to clear cap space for the 2024 free agency class. And then the final path is the process 2.0. I am going to advocate for path number three, which is getting ready for the 2024 free agency class. First and foremost, I acknowledge that there is a serious roadblock to that path, and that is the fact that you're basically asking Joel Embiid to punt the season after he won the MVP trophy. That is not going to be an easy sell. I understand that. I get that. But if I'm the general manager, if I'm Daryl Morey, like this is the argument that I would make. Listen, Joel, Tobias is going to be coming off our books. We're going to be able to retool a little bit one year after Harden, not having Tobias's number on the books, not having maybe DeAnthony Melton's contract on the books. Like there's a lot we can do next offseason. This offseason, we're kind of hamstrung. We have to pretty much run it back with the roster as constituted. And you saw how far that got us. Maybe a different coach gets us over that hump. That is maybe. But I will say the 2024 free agent class is pretty solid. You have young up-and-coming stars in Jalen Brown. If he's still in Boston or leaves or doesn't get that extension from whoever he's traded to, there's that. There are proven winners in Chris Middleton and one Clay Thompson. I'm just throwing Clay's name out there. I'm pretty sure he's going to retire as a Golden State Warrior, but it's you have to mention his name. DeJounte Murray, I don't know how much sense that makes. I don't know. Does does Maxie and Murray kind of make sense at all as a backcourt? Fantastic law firm name, I will say that. Uh, I mean, if you were – if Harden is gone and you're trying to sell – Joel on getting excited for maybe signing John St. Murray. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's it's just a I'm, I'm getting really close to just give Joel his wish because he wants out. And, <laughs> uh, and then there's like significant role players that could be like brought in and just be like, all right, we just guys like Gary Trent Jr. Uh, Kyle Kuzma might be out there if he accepts, if he does not get extended, gets a long-term deal this offseason because he's rocking with a player option, if I recall correctly. Uh, Josh Hart also may or may not be a candidate. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker's probably going to get paid, so I crossed him off this list. Reggie Bullock is out there. Dante DiVincenzo is out there. Like, Sadiq Bey is also going to be available. Like, there's some stuff that you could do in the next offseason where, like, you can show Joel kind of, like, a vision 
and just be like, all right, all right, big man. I we just I apologize. We're sorry. There's not much we can do radically that will get you to the NBA finals. And if you feel as if you can't slash don't want to punt that year, you are under contract. You're getting paid one either way. We could so cross like, Jalen Brown's name off this list because I will cross Jalen Brown's name off the list. Yeah, because he he's eligible for a supermax, so he he'd be turning down three hundred million. The other scenario for him is if he declines that supermax, he's Boston's going to see the writing on the wall and say, "All right, we we got to trade him because he's going to leave us." So let's trade him to one of his preferred destinations. Philadelphia does not have what it takes to get a trade offer for him, and so he'll go to somewhere that he wants to play and resign. And that One, way, he gets forty three million less than a supermax, uh, given the current projections for the next cap. So he's off, and so you're basically telling Joe, maybe we can get Pascal Siakam, your your Cameroonian, you know, country mate. And I just don't think that that's going to be very exciting for him. No that, matter what. I I do feel like that's going to be the best sell. Yeah, that's the best sell of the ones that I'm looking at. I mean, Clay Thompson. Middleton might be an upgrade over Tobias Harris from the shooting department. But Daryl Morey will be the first one to warn us all that anyone you want is highly unlikely to make it here. So do not, do not get your hopes up for any one guy because any one guy who's really good is going to have an offer for somewhere else. So I guess that leaves us in the, like, the, the Kuzma, Josh Hart, maybe Sadiq Bay group. Which I think yeah, Josh it, Hart is very happy in New York as right now playing with his college teammate. It's even hard to look at him and say he jumps ship. But yeah, Kuzma, <laughs> Kuzma, if, if all of a sudden you've got a, a bag and you want to throw it to Kyle Kuzma, who's not even a great knockdown shooter anyway, he's a pretty good player, but it'd be really hard to get very excited. Okay, so you're, you're not feeling uh going and waiting for 2024 is there is there a path that you like more than the others um i it really depends on like what this trade maxi path package offers you know the negative value of tobias harris is expiring counteracts the positive value of tyrese maxi's rising star I just, I'd have to hear some real names on the table before I could commit to one of those. As of now, I guess if if you tried to keep Harden and he left, the best thing to try to do is to sell Joe. The 2024 is going to be lit in free agency, even though we don't think it is at all. Uh, My... so that, and this is all why I'm just hoping that they kind of just keep James Harden. I'm not a fan of starting process 2.0 sooner than we need to. No. I feel like that's the that's the big one. The complete teardown, I don't think that's necessary right now. No, I think Derek Bodner on Twitter made a good point. He was like, you don't have to get the timing of trading a superstar right. Like, you don't have to time it perfectly. If you're two years too late, you still have that superstar. So if you, if you max James hard, let's say Houston drops a max on James and the Sixers match it and he stays. And let's say you have two chances at it and you don't and it doesn't work out. And now Joe sees the writing on the wall. He gave it a good chance. He says, I want to be traded, and you get a whole bunch of picks back for him. Then it doesn't really destroy your insides that you have this albatross older James Harden who's washed on the team because you're rebuilding anyway. Right. Maybe, maybe if he's got anything left, there's a team out there who says, Well, He's better than our Russell Westbrook. He's better than our Kevin Love. 
He's better yeah. than John Wall. I'd rather have James. Here, we'll, we'll give you this chintzy asset for Harden. So in the world where you max Harden and it doesn't work out and Joel wants to leave, even in that scenario, I think you probably gave it your best shot. And it's and you owe it to Joel and you owe it to the city to go all in when you have a player as good as Joe. Um, especially when looking at like the alternative sell is maybe you can get Siakam. <laughs> yes. I also, and you can correct me if uh, I'm off the off the path here, but like barring catastrophic, like career ending injury, like I don't know if Joel's value is really going anywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, all it would take really is any injury at any point next season. But let's say Harden walks and Joel tweaks something in January or by the playoffs. That's not going to look good to a free agent who's saying, I want to play here and I want to win championship alongside Joel. Because now right. it's been 2019, 2021, 2022, 2023, and maybe 2024 where he has picked up some injury where he wasn't ready for the stretch run. He wasn't quite there. And it's getting overlooked that the Celtics down the stretch were able to single cover him with Al Horford. It's kind of like if you're not, an Eagles. Not a great Eagles, look. Yeah, if you're an Eagles fan, you know the reason that they were so good defensively is because they could rush four, get a ton of pressure on you with those guys up front, Reddick and Sweat, and then put extra secondaries back there. So the Celtics were the same. If they could get away with single covering Joe, it makes them a a lockdown defense. Uh, And then so that's going to be a tough sell for free agent to say. And what are the chances that Joel gets banged up at any point next season? They're not low. They're, they're they're definitely at the very least 50 50 yeah so it's not going to be easy to sell one of these free agents even though they're not a great class anyway uh, dave always get always a fun season off season with with this team isn't it is it oh, it's never it's never not easy with this team why can't it go we were why can't it of ben simmons trades that was a little bit fun and why can and then, it never be fun for us like why can't we have nice things you know the idea of trading Ben Simmons ultimate was was wearing, but it was kind of fun to think about like Daryl's list of 30. And last year was kind of fun to think, well, if James takes a pay cut, we can sign a guy like PJ Tucker, maybe <laughs> like Bruce Brown, maybe like one of the Martin twins. The one in Miami's playing pretty well. So that was kind yeah. of fun, fun too. Uh this well, isn't fun. This is not fun. This well, is like ready to do it again, because we, we gotta do it again. Yeah. uh we are gonna cover everything on the site always uh libertyballers.com you can follow me on twitter at odob royster you can follow david at david early you can follow liberty ballers on twitter at liberty underscore ballers keep it here keep it locked get that bookmark uh save it to your favorites because we're gonna have a lot to talk about over the last over the next couple of months but uh as always i'm adil royster dave early as always my co-host Trust the process as much as you possibly can. And uh yeah, we're we're all here with you. We're we're all suffering together. David and I are suffering with you. So it's fine. You're not doing this alone. Last time we did this, we were like, we were right there. We if we won game six, but now that I'm watching Miami, I'm like, well, maybe they would have steamrolled us anyway. Yeah, probably. <laughs> In the meantime, talk to you next week, Dave. And uh yeah, we'll see what happens with the coaching search as the week progresses. <laughs>